The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome to Season 4 of The Agile Brand with Greg Kilstrom, where we discuss business agility through customer experience, employee experience, and digital transformation. I'm your host, Greg Kilstrom. The Agile World Podcast is brought to you by Tech Systems, an industry leader in full-stack technology services, talent services, and real-world application. For more information, go to techsystems.com. To read more about the topics discussed on this show, you can go to my website at gregkillstrom.com and read my latest articles or get a copy of my latest book, Meaningful Measurement of the Customer Experience, now available on Amazon and other retailers. My name is Greg Kilstrom, and I'm the host of the Agile Brand Podcast. Today, we're going to talk about building a strong culture that thrives in a remote work environment. To help me discuss this topic, I'd like to welcome Tim Brackney, President and COO of RGP, a global consulting firm that helps Fortune 1000 companies fill skills gaps through its workforce of 5,000 professionals. Tim, welcome to the show. Thanks, Greg. It's great to be here. Yeah, looking forward to talking about this topic with you. Uh, But first, why don't we start by you giving a little background on yourself as well as your role at RGP. Sure. Yeah, so I've been in uh, professional services my whole career. I started out with uh, a large consulting firm and then migrated to RGP um, almost 20 years ago. And um, I would say that uh, the fact that I've been here this long says says a lot about the company's culture, which I know is the topic that we're going to talk about. Um, but it also talks about some of the, the progress uh, that we made as a company. So I'm very proud of that. My role currently is I run um, all of our go-to-market functions that are for the company. So we do business in North America, Europe, and Asia Pacific. And I'm responsible for um, the sales, talent, and delivery uh, pieces of our organization. That's great. Well, uh, let's let's get going here then. So RGP incorporated a hybrid work model prior to the pandemic and has long embraced a human-first approach to attracting and retaining accounting and finance professionals and helping organizations find talent that matches their rapidly changing needs. As we progress towards a post-pandemic world, uh, let's explore how to build a strong company culture that thrives in companies where hybrid and remote work will remain prevalent. So let's start with a definition. Uh, what makes a uh, what defines a good company culture from your perspective? Yeah, it's a great question, and you know, a company culture is kind of the soul of the company. It's a defined way that people behave in an organization, and it's it's sort of a it's like a patchwork quilt of shared beliefs uh, and values. So for us, and I think in any culture, I think there are a few things that I think make a a, re- a real good company culture. One is really clarity and transparency. They're similar words, but, but different words. Clarity meaning that everybody's sort of beating to the same drumbeat. They kind of know what the purpose of the company is and uh, what our mission is every day. And then transparency to know kind of how we are, you know, how we are matched against the, the, the purpose that we've stated for our company. So I think those two things, I mean, there's obviously a number of other things, but for me, those two things really, really help. Um, particularly in a world where you're working both on-site and remote. Yeah, yeah, I, I really like that clarity and, and transparency. That's 
That's great. So how has remote work made this challenging for some organizations? And is there a common thread you've seen in companies that have managed to succeed in spite of the challenges that this you know pandemic posed to the work environment? Yeah, I mean, I think I think we were all, especially in the world when everybody was remote, it was really a, a, a clarifying moment. It was kind of that moment where you kind of hold the mirror up to yourselves and said, kind of who, who are we as a company? Can, can we make this migration when we don't have, when our, when our, when our uh, norms have been interrupted? And, you know, I think one of the common threads that I've seen in companies um, that have managed to succeed, and, you know, I count, I count us in that, is one, you know, having, having built a sense of community and, and that community extends beyond just the things that you're doing every day to succeed at your job. It's um, being connected to each other uh, in a way that allows trust. Um, and so that if you have that level of trust, the medium or modality that you actually go about to do your work uh, doesn't impede it as much as it might be if, if you don't have that sort of clarity of purpose and you don't have that sort of foundation of trust. And so I think that, um, I think that in particular, you know, coupled with uh, leadership demonstrating empathy during change are the things that have, have, have really worked for companies that have made this transition during the last three yeah, years or so. Yeah. Well, and so one of the challenges um, that I know, you know, several leaders have very publicly spoken about, and, and I think it's on, it's on the tops of, of many companies' minds uh, when talking about moving to hybrid or even remote work is just, you know, how it may affect the creativity uh, or, you know, and as well as the collaboration. So, you know, RGP has utilized hybrid and remote teams since, as I mentioned, well before the the pandemic and, you know, to, to great success. So, you know, what is the approach and mindset that's allowed you to achieve success in this area, despite not being in that, in that same physical location all the time? Yeah, I think, you know, it's been a it's been a journey, right? So you started out where everybody was remote. There was this novelty of of, of working um, in a world where you're looking at each other on screens, and I think that that transformed to fatigue. And what you learned through that is that even companies with strong culture had to be much more intentional about the way that they interfaced with each other. And so I think I think that word intentional is is really important, even as we move into a world that's more hybrid. It's thinking about the ways that you can make the atoms collide and doing it in a way that isn't just defined by meeting after meeting after meeting um, on teleconference. And so there were a number of things that, that people did um, to try to take advantage of these situations. And in some ways, in some ways, there was an advantage to it because you could, you could actually have intentional meetings with groups of people that would be difficult to have done in, just, in a purely on-site environment. So we have, we're a company that has offices all over the world and we could, we found that there were ways to, to uh, commune and have discussions around a particular topic that were now not bounded by being in the same room. And that really was really, really interesting. Um, still done by video conference, but the, there were groups that would get together that normally wouldn't have done that in our sort of normal course of work. And as we shifted now to more of a hybrid work, there's, uh, there is a, I use that word intentional again, because there are, there are, we really look at the, we really want to get together, but we don't feel like we should have to get together. So we're intentional about the, the ways that we work together and when we come in and have to be together to try to, to try to work toward a common goal or solve a problem. 
and but know that you retain that level of flexibility so that it's not all one or the other. In some ways, I think as most companies migrate to this, we're going to get the best of both worlds. Yeah. Well, and so to, to kind of follow up on the non, let's say, official meetings or Zoom meetings or, or things like that, you know, how do you how do you foster the kind of culture where people do have, you know, the one of the one of the things that was talked about when everybody moved remote or even hybrid is, you know, people don't bump into each other at the coffee machine or the water cooler, so to speak. Um, so, you know, how do you enable and how do you foster that those kinds of, um, you know, less formal moments, I guess, that, that you described? Yeah, I mean, it, I, I think at first maybe it was a little bit of a challenge and, you know, people still kind of sort through this. But um, I, I'll just use the word opt-in. There's opt-in opportunities where um, I've seen leaders who said, look, for, you know, for this particular day during the week, um, I'm going to be in the office working with a group of people. We're going to we're going to um, we're going to bring lunch in and we'd love it if other people could, could pop by and have an opportunity to meet people that maybe joined um, when we were all remote. And what, what we found, especially early on, as the restrictions started lifting, is that those were really oversubscribed. People were really hungry to do that. And they, they used that as an opportunity to kind of just shift the workspace. They still might be they still might be doing actually a lot of teleconferences from the actual office. But then the, the water cooler discussions and the ability to meet in person and look somebody in the eye to, to, to kind of cement that connection, uh, people really, really were drawn to. And you kind of have to create experiences for people to get together and like, you know, to expand on that virtual water cooler that I was talking about when we were all remote. And there are a couple of things that we've done. I think one of those, one of those was, as an example, was we called it proof of fun, which was, hey, um, Everybody were taking Friday off. The only thing that you have to do is get together with one or two people that you don't really know that well and in person and send us a photo. And then we, we made that as part of a, a calendar that we put together so people could see that, uh, you know, could see that as a kind of touchstone of our culture. So I think those types of events uh, are really important for a couple of things. One is to reinforce the culture and to allow some of this um, unintentional creativity to occur. Um, but it's also... It's also fun, and fun is a big hallmark of, of our culture. Yeah, yeah. Well, and so for those companies that, uh, let's say they're they're able to meet in person, but still, you know, with with the pandemic and um, hybrid work and remote work and everything, you know, how how have you seen companies create in person contact that works well during the pandemic? Just you know, sen- with, keeping in mind the sensitivities and and, and things like that. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a tricky thing because um, people are in charge of their own healthcare and they have different things that they're um, that drive them. And so I think it's really important as leaders and, and, you know, we're sort of organized in a couple of different ways, but in, in local markets to kind of take stock of people and understand kind of what will work for them or not. In the early days of the pandemic, we would do things where it was like, look, everybody's outside. And if you want to be masked, be masked. We're going to go on a hike um, and, you know, and um, use that as a way for us to be able to get together. And then for those that felt comfortable, we're going to buy a coffee or a beer afterwards type of a thing. Um, and I actually felt that that worked really well uh, because uh, people, again, opted into it and then felt like they were in an environment where they could still get the benefits of getting to know their coworker better or have a work discussion, but, but felt safe about it. And I think that that 
that opt-in mentality of providing spaces where um, large groups of people can feel comfortable and don't feel excluded, um, that, that, they, that those types of events are the types of events that I've seen be successful. I think where you have pockets of people who don't feel comfortable coming in, um, you know, to create an environment where at least part of the festivities can be both virtual and in person. And we start to see more of that, people using technology with broader groups or using breakout groups that have that include people in a room, but also virtually is a way to kind of cross that chasm. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Well, let's, uh, let's switch gears a little bit here and, and just talk specifically about leadership's role in leading teams towards post-pandemic growth and a strong culture. So, you know, what are some of the essential soft skills that you think every good leader needs in today's environment? And, you know, whether those are um, things they always needed or maybe even particularly things that are needed more than ever? You, you know, I mean, it, I, I feel in some ways this word maybe has been overused a little bit through the course of the pandemic, but I, but I think it's so important to talk about empathy. Um, and by empathy, I mean being aware, being aware of the environment and being able to put yourself in the shoes of, of other folks and so that you can interface with them in a way that doesn't exclude them. And, there, and I, think, I think with all the things that we've gone through in the last three years, as a leader, if you're not an empathic leader, you're going to have real a real difficulty. Not just be, not just because the you know, the world is hybrid now, and you've got groups of folks who want to work in a different way. I mean, that if you're not an empathic leader, I think that would be difficult. But also just because generationally the workforce is changing, and, and you have to be really attuned to the wants and needs of new generations that are that are entering the workforce. And so that skill of of really being savvy and really understanding, and then really um, reacting to the needs of, of of your team is incredibly important. the The second thing that I would add to that, and it kind of comes on if you're empathic or not, is your ability to communicate. And it's the ability to be able to give a broad based message, but you might have to deliver it in different ways to different groups, even though you're delivering the same message. I liken it to a uh, you know, like a pitcher that has different pitches, right? I mean, you, you don't use your fastball all the time. Occasionally, you're going to have to use the curveball, but they're but it's still the same thing. You're still throwing it to try to get it across the plate to give a strike. And so, I think, I think as a, I think as a leader, uh, I think in the past, the old paradigm of sort of being a command and control leader who showed up and ground it all out, um, like I think that paradigm is going to have a difficult, uh, or that archetype is going to have a, will have a more of a difficult time in, in today's world because. You really have to you really have to take in a lot of information that's different than just pure business information and relate it to motivate and inspire your workforce. Totally agree, and I think the there's so many factors at play here. I mean, I think uh, you know those just entering the workforce that really entered during the pandemic. I mean, imagine that <laughs> you know from a you know you're you're just starting work. You don't have the paradigm of the water cooler even to, to kind of go off of. So, you know, there's that, I, I think, you know, to follow on the, the empathy um, train there, you know, I think the, an opportunity, cause you know, I always, I like to find the good and, and even, you know, less than, than good situations. You know, I think the opportunity for empathy with remote work and hybrid work because of the pandemic is, you know, all of a sudden, you know, if your kids are running in the back of the Zoom, you know, or they're the cat 
falls in front of the laptop or, you know, the dog runs in the background. It's like, it's given us a window into people's lives where, you know, a year or two ago, that might've seemed unprofessional in certain, um, in certain, maybe, you know, RGP has been doing remote work for a while. So it's, it's different in different places, but things like that were like business faux pas, so to speak. And now it's like, everybody's kind of like, wow, we're all, you know, we're all dealing with the same thing, whether it's, you know, lack of, you know, kids in school and childcare or, you know, just stuff like that. Like we've all kind of opened up our lives a little bit. And I think that, you know, those that have thrived as much as possible in that environment are those to your point that, that have empathy and that are able to adapt and, and adopt, you know, to, to the, the situation. What you said is so spot on and it just kind of strikes a chord. I remember in the really early days of the pandemic, I sent a note out to my team and the note was basically, I had a picture of my kids and my cat when you said the cat falling out. And I just said, I just want to introduce you to three new members of your team who you're going to see at various times bursting into our call, you know? And, and, the, and the idea is that the, the sort of, I think it's interesting, this blend of, of work and personal, like it, it actually um, humanized many, many people, but especially leadership. And so I think the ties that bind, um, if you had a strong culture um, and you were and you, you treated people with empathy during during a time where everybody was dealing with something like I see those relationships getting even stronger. And it's a very cool thing to see people in their like in their real environment and our environments now. There aren't as there aren't as many borders between them, so. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and you know, I I love that anecdote. I mean, of you sending that that note out to everybody because I mean, I think that's so great because it gives everybody permission to kind of relax and like, okay, we're all living through this together. Like, let's you know, it's okay. Again, if your if your kid runs in the background in the middle of a of a meeting, like it just it happens, right? So I. I I love, I love that. And, and you setting an example as a leader doing that. What, what are some other ways that you can help, um, you know, wh- whether it's things like that or just, you know, build a sense of community and belonging in, in the workforce as a leader? You know, I think, um, I mean, I think it's an interesting thing. One is, you know, I think the example I just gave you was, uh, I was, you know, I think leaders, leaders don't have to be the strong silent type anymore. They can be real and vulnerable and, you know, showing that side, you know, so that people can understand kind of who you are as a, as a real whole person is, I think is really important. I think, you know, um, you know, one of the things that we pivoted to um, in the beginning of the pandemic too, was like, we, we were in the process of sort of really redoing our onboarding and putting together what we were calling RGP university, which was, you know, opportunities to give people a, a real window into what RGP was so that as they came into the company, they felt a part of that community. And then marrying the new folks with um, with some of the groups that they would be coming into and, and you know, have creating forums where people could have real discussions either individually or in groups. And like I found that that as a leader and leveraging technology, I could I could actually talk to every new joiner in the company, even if it was for just 10 or 15 minutes. And that was something that I was limited by before. If I wasn't visiting their office, they didn't catch them when they joined or whatever. Now, literally every new person who comes into the company, I, I spend 10 or 15 minutes with them to understand their story and how they found us and to thank them for joining RGP. So for, for new joiners, to me, that is a way of having a direct connection and giving people a sense of, you know, hey, um, thank you for joining our company. We're really excited to have you here and having them connected directly into our culture right away. 
And then by kind of widening the net and including, you know, broader swath of people from around the company to do similar things, you know, I mean, probably longer forums than 10 or 15 minutes, but like kind of plugging them into their, what, what, it, what will be their internal network right away. We found that to be really incredibly successful and it's, it's, it's not hard. It's the things that you want to do. And some of the best, some of the best moments of my day are when I'm spending 15 minutes with somebody who joined in our Manila practice. And I learned, and I learned that this is the best onboarding and the most fun that they've ever had. And they're so excited to be at the company. I mean, it absolutely makes my day or my week. No, that's, that's so great. That's wonderful. Well, um, Hey, one last question before we wrap up here, you know, as, as leaders look ahead and, uh, you know, we're still, hopefully we're actually post pandemic soon enough, but, you know, as, as they kind of navigate the, the months ahead and you often have to make some tough choices about, uh, how, whether it's hybrid remote or some, you know, permanent state of, of working methods, you know, what's, what's a piece of advice that you would have for them as, as they navigate those months ahead? Contrary to my other answers, it's really a one word answer, but then of course I'll expound on it, but it's to listen. It's listen, your workforce is changing and their attitudes are changing and they are, um, they're not rooted to you. you. You have to continue to demonstrate to them why they should be connected to your community. And that means that you have, you'll have to be flexible in terms of kind of what you're willing to accept. And at the end of the day, especially for our company and a services company where our product is people, we have to listen to our people and understand what is the best environment that we can give for them to work and be involved in our community. And, and we have to recognize that that's not static. It, it's changing over time as our experiences change. And it's been this last three years, and especially these years, uh, these months post-pandemic, you see these things morphing pretty regularly. And so we have to be flexible. <laughs> I, think, I think that's one of the most important things as leaders we can be. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, Tim, thanks so much for joining. Uh, for those listening, what's the best way for them to keep up with you as well as what RGP is doing? I think if you went to our website, www.rgp.com, um, you'll get, a, you'll get a, a good lens into our business and our teams, and, it's a, and we update it regularly. Great, great. Well, again, I'd like to thank Tim Brackney, President and COO of RGP, for joining the show. Thanks for listening to The Agile Brand with Greg Kilstrom. Talk with you next week. Thanks again for listening to the Agile Brand with Greg Kilstrom podcast, brought to you by Tech Systems. If you enjoyed the show, please take a minute to subscribe on your podcast channel of choice and leave us a rating so that others can find the show more easily. You can access more episodes of the show at www.theagilebrand.show. To get a copy of my latest book, Meaningful Measurement of the Customer Experience, visit my website at gregkilstrom.com. Until next week, stay agile.